We're back on What the Funk. We got a late January recording here with my man, Leon Aloya. I don't know if I can call him my man. I've only met him once, but I can tell that he'd be my man if we spent a little bit more time together. So I'm excited. I'm excited to have you on, Leon. This was a connection through the Digital Wildcatters Fuse event. That was a little bit of your... Um, kind of go to market party uh, for your new company, which, which we'll get all into. Um, but as we introduced each other kind of on a, a high level introduction call, I found your background pretty fascinating. Um, you know, I believe that you're from California. You've worked uh, in the big company role. You've started your own kind of entrepreneurial gig. I think maybe you even played football at one point. I, there, there's a, there's a bunch of things I want to dig into here. So Awesome to get introduced to somebody through the Digital Wildcatters Network. I hope you got value out of the Fuse show. And Leon, I'm just going to get right into it. Who is Leon Aloya? Appreciate it. So no, I'm, I'm glad to be here. And yes, I will first say we will be friends. We will be, be buddies, boys, all of the above. It's only Love a matter it. of time. Um, yeah, so who's Leon Aloya? So like, like you mentioned, Leon Aloya grew up in San Diego, born in Detroit. So I do cheer for all the... Detroit teams, Michigan. Oh, well, we could just stop right there. How about it, man? This is a whole, the, the Lions. The Lions, I'm telling you. Yeah, I have uh, Barry Sanders on uh, on the on the wall, picture that my brother drew. I'm definitely Lions fan, Pistons fan, Tigers fan, anything Detroit. Again, that's what, that's what the parents and, and my mom's side of family cheered for. But we moved to San Diego when I was uh, three years old. So it was San Diego is what I, you know, call home when, when I do go home. Um, grew up there uh, in Southeast San Diego, um, modest at the time, inner city community. It's a little bit gentrified now. We think of San Diego, but at the time, it was a uh, typical inner city that you would see on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, parents were, were very, uh, uh, how would I say this? They're very well educated, but had a high value in education, probably amongst, above any uh, anything else. So to the point where my mom's family went to Catholic schools and whatnot in Detroit, not because they were Catholic, but because that was the best education. And, nice. and, and over the years, yeah, you know, you kind of you, you come accustomed to the, the teachings and the and whatnot and, and growing to it. And a very similar, you know, growing up in San Diego, we, um, you know, went off that same front where my mom would look, I care about education enough. Let me find a private school uh, to put my kids in and and and. You know, started, you know, at that aspect of, yes, education matters. And education is not only school, but it's how you're learning in every aspect, inter, interpersonal, uh, out of nature, but as well as the textbooks, X's and O's. And so that same education and value of got me a high school scholarship. So I went to a, pr- a private school in San Diego called Marion Catholic High, okay. uh, which actually dollar for dollar gave me a higher scholarship than my college uh, scholarship. <laughs> nice. I'll talk about that. But, uh, but yeah, went on academic slash athletic scholarship and I was a straight A student there, um, you know, kind of doing the, the, the general, um, you know, class, but also a few AP slash honors classes, especially in the STEM based subjects, uh, played football, basketball, ran track. Um, that awarded me a scholarship to New Mexico state university. Ah. Uh, I married where I majored in civil engineering uh, while playing football for the uh, the Aggies who went to uh, back-to-back bowl games. At least the first time that I think maybe ever won 10 games this, this past season. And well, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. For, for, for us Aggie fans, that was a, that was a big deal. Um, out of New Mexico state hired on with Exxon mobile. And it was, it was, it was an mm-hmm. interesting uh, scenario where I had an opportunity to coach college football um, upon graduation, but, uh, also had this, this job of being an engineer in front of me and, and starting salaries were about the same. And, and I'll give my receiver coach a lot of credit because he was quick to tell me, Leon, starting salaries are the same, but believe me, it'll pay off more if you go there. Yeah. Wait, wait till you see what it's like in 10 years, unless you become yeah, a head coach right. somewhere, you might want to, you might want to go to Exxon. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the one in few savings and Jim Harbaugh's, they get those $12 million, uh, you know, kind of uh, paydays, they get it. But Everybody else is a journeyman moving their family around and, you know, GA in for 20 grand a year and, you know, just getting the snot beat out of you. Um, it's not necessarily everybody's profession. So it worked out well for me to go to Exxon Mobile route. Um, I started within the pipeline group or department, um, doing, uh, crude oil and product, uh, movement out in Southeast Louisiana, Mississippi, mm-hmm. Gulf of Mexico. Um, 
that was a position that came across the Katrina uh, uh, time frame. So mm. at a rapid acceleration of project rebuilds um, because of all the damage that was done in the area. And so as a young engineer, to be able to see, you know, call it 10 years worth of projects in a year and a half, two years uh, was pretty impressive. And so that definitely jumpstarted my career with ExxonMobil, not only being able to tackle unique problems where you have underwater pipelines and mm. nobody has housing and anything else and infrastructure and your, you know, levees are needing to get rebuilt, but you're still trying to keep refineries up. And so you're relocating stuff, just all kinds of just unique challenges that, you know, people that can work a 30 or 40 year career might not see that I was able to see in that, that two, two and a half year stint um, there in, in that role. And so after there moved over to a similar role in Southern California at the time, ExxonMobil owned the Torrance refinery. Back home. That's right. Yeah. So I was there in, in, in the Los Angeles area, only about an hour and a half away from, uh, yeah. from, from San Diego. It's kind of interesting because I was only an hour and a half away but I probably visited San Diego about as much as I did when I lived in Houston. So we talk about the cost of living adjustment and whatnot. You say, oh, I'm oh, going yeah. home, it'd be fun. So yeah, I could probably live in Houston and visit home more, <laughs> more economically than I can just drive down I-5. But, uh, no, but no, it worked out uh, well. It's, again, learned a ton. The unique challenges there was operating pipelines in city streets. They think of, you know, came from an underwater area where you're having to do stuff with divers and whatnot that most of the nation didn't necessarily deal with. Now I'm working in, you know, Main Street, uh, L.A., where you're cutting down, uh, cutting down the, the middle of Sepulveda. And you can't even start till 9 p.m. because you have to wait till rush hour gets off. Right. You have all your trench plates back on by 530 a.m. so you can beat the rush hour traffic coming out. So it's a completely unique type of, of work environment as a young engineer, but definitely helped me, you know, kind of hone the skill sets. Um, that I, you know, still uh, rely on now and get unique challenges or differences and how do you, you know, stay with the base, but then add on, um, you know, the, 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 the uniqueness um, uh, to address there. And so did that role for about a year and a half, moved back to Houston. At this point in time, they had me on what they call the managerial development track. And so they're kind yeah. of giving me experiences around the business and so ran an operations group and damage prevention, third party digging. Um, towards the latter part of that assignment, I went back to school. So I went to Rice University here in Houston and got my MBA. And about that time, started going on a commercial track. So I first went commercial um, pipeline where you're cutting connection agreements with other departments, as well as other companies like Chevron and Shell and people that you might deem a competitor, uh, but also when you use your same infrastructure. Um, Flopped into refining. So I went to Baton Rouge for four years and did three different assignments there. First running the maintenance uh, on offsites, then one of the 12 units that they have, which did all the clean products, blending and shipping. And then uh, last, I was a section supervisor in uh, what they call coordination and product quality. But think of it as the economic arm of the refinery um, there. Came back into Houston and went logistics commercial again. Um, went to a, uh, what they call a crude optimizer. So covering the Gulf Coast uh, uh, buys and sells of crude oil for ExxonMobil, as well as uh, if we were to give us a, a trade signal, um, the traders can go and execute barrels to uh, other third parties. Short stint in, as a department head in engineering with, with the, the pipeline group. And then the last role that I had was the executive role over the uh, the West Coast Rockies uh, PNL. So I, on the downstream side, um, the uh, the West Coast Rockies geographic region, uh, PNL fell under my my team, uh, whatnot. So big job, executive job. You're sitting there at the age of forty with a company you love that treated you well, yeah. um, and and able to run. You know, you're talking about a couple billion dollars worth of revenue, you know, hundreds of million dollars, uh, probably a little shy of two hundred, just shy of two hundred million dollars net profit. So I mean, decent sized firms, you know, like like a, a Starbucks even. I mean, you look at their, their, their P&L, it's about, you know, about in range, especially in the U.S. base. And so you think about that, about that, that kind of magnitude, you say, look, well, if you can do it here, yes, it takes 90 hours a week and whatnot. And so on. Yeah. So you're still willing to do that same grind. Can you do that elsewhere? And so, yeah, beginning of February, 2022, we close on a real estate deal, you know, a buddy of mine and looking for a project manager and, Kind of going, I'm like, look, I can do that, and I yeah. can you know, do the ExxonMobil equivalent, you know, consulting and 
value add, data driven strategy development um, outside. And and if you do a good job and get provide a good product, you know it'll 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 work out. And so yeah, it's been a year and a half now. Um, you know, almost two years. Uh, and uh, you know, definitely a roller coaster coming across twenty twenty three with banking and and all those changes and sure. that environment. But uh, you know, it's what we signed up for, and it's enjoyable. I, I tell people all the time, it's not work if you're having fun, and, and it's definitely a fun ride. Well, there's a there's a lot to jump into there. I appreciate you sharing the whole story. Que- question that I have about about Exxon Mobil. So, if I got this right, it was Houston, Louisiana. LA, Houston, Baton Rouge, right? Rockies, you're all over the place. Is that common for a big company like that? Because I always think of, oh, you're a big company. You just go into the office every day. You're based in the large Houston headquarters. But you were really all over the place. One, is that sort of normal? And two, did did you like that? Or did you feel like that was like a challenge for you to have to adjust, make new friends, find new apartments and, and living in different cities? No, I mean, one thing, you know, that I would say that, that I think ExxonMobil does it right is they definitely are probably the best training ground um, that you can have. And I'd argue probably in, in any profession. I mean, it happened to be engineering, but in the latter part of my career, I was doing very little engineering. It was more of other. But their, their desire to make sure that you have the experiences that you need to be able to be a global leader do require you at times, especially if you want to short circuit the time, to move to find okay look you need to be a you need to run a unit in a refinery you've yeah. been in pipeline well you can sit here in Houston and wait until Baytown has an opening and that might be five or six years or you can leave next month and go on to Baton Rouge which is the equivalent of the you know academies they used to call it and pick up that experience you know there mm. and so while I wouldn't call it typical all the way through your career, I would say that definitely the first three to five, assi- I'll say three assignments that you see, like at, at ExxonMobil, they do a good job of trying to move you around. If you do have restrictions, like, hey, I, I have school-age children or um, taking care of my mom, yeah, they, they will definitely work, especially if you're in Houston. There's a ton of jobs in Houston that, that right. you don't have to move. But if you don't have a restriction, I was one that said, look, I don't, I mean, I'm a single male with no kids, fresh out of college. I don't care where. It's send me wherever, yeah. Exactly. Send me, send me wherever. Let me work. Let me learn. Um, it's only a three hour flight from wherever I want to be anyway, so I can fly out somewhere on Friday night and still be back by Sunday. You know, and, and work. So there, there's definitely that that flexibility. Now later on in your career, especially when you get to those upper level management roles, those executive roles they truly are a couple that might come about. So you start saying no, well, you know, okay, you say no to this role, it might be, you know, your off ramp. Um, wow. They else took that position and now gave them that experience that they demonstrated their capability in and they went on. And so, you, you know, it, it's, it's, I would say it's the right level of, 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 of desire. You know, if, if you want more of it, yes, you can move more. If you want less of it, yes, you can do less. Um, but there are different experiences you get in each in each one, so you just have to realize that yeah, you can you can say no or move away or or, or ask not to be considered for such. But that's just you know another variable that got turned off that you know that 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 makes it a little harder to get to that end goal. If if you say I need to be a global leader, um, a little harder to be at that end goal um, without running out of time. Yeah, I, I I appreciate that insight, and it it lines up with with what some of my other friends have seen um, and done at at bigger companies, whether it be pharmaceutical, medical, healthcare, um, oil and gas, you name it. It's sort of like, hey, you're on this VP track, and at some of these larger companies, that that VP position could be multiple millions of dollars every right. year, right? Could, right. could life changing amounts of money right. potentially. Um, but it might involve, well, we're going to need you to live in Malaysia for six months. And you're like, well, I don't want to live in Malaysia for six months. And it's like, well, maybe you're not really wanting to be a VP right. is what you're telling me by answering right. that question. Right? right. So, so you're faced with interesting life decisions and challenges um, that probably only continue to get harder as you do have a family, as you want to kind of settle into living in one place. Um, so kudos to you for taking those opportunities, but then also going out to take the entrepreneurial route. So so let's talk about that a little bit, right? So you yeah. spent 
by my count, about 17 years at Exxon. Yeah, 17, 17 years. years, right? 17 years, eight months to the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Three weeks, two days, and, and uh, one hour and 16 minutes, 37 seconds. But, but I you, have seen people with their retirement counters on their desk that go down to the, to the millisecond. <laughs> so that's that's amazing. Free. <laughs> that's amazing. So, so you're in a spot where you you've done all these things, right? You're on this management track. You you started at 23, and then you find yourself your early 40s, and you decide to go off and start your own thing. Like, was that a hard decision for you? And tell me more a little bit about your company today and what you guys yeah. do. So yeah, so from a decision, I definitely I would say it's hard. You know, and I think what actually makes it harder is that you were comfortable. Yeah, I think it'd be a very easy decision. Yeah. You hated your job. Sure. You there, but no, you're sitting there saying, "Look, like you have a good job, and you're working with good people. You know what? What, what are you doing?" But it, it is that that feeling of there's more out there, um, and I don't have to turn off the good aspects of this job just because I do leave. So, like, like my phone number didn't change. I still yeah. go grab a beer with the same folks that uh, that I was working with. And and I find myself still trying to fight the same challenges and problem sets that they are. And and it and it gets fun when you have a different set of tools because you are an entrepreneur and you and you do own the firm that you can say, hey, look, we're gonna go try this and we're gonna go invest time and money in here. And yeah, it wasn't in the budget, but we're gonna try it because we think it's the right thing to do. Um, and so on and so forth. And so that nimbleness, that ability to <clears throat> have a little bit more risk but reward. Is really what, what what drove me to to say, look, let's let, let let's call it quits um, here in this chapter, and then open up the Canada Technical chapter um, immediately thereafter. And so, you know that 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 ride of okay, you start a firm that has zero marketing. You know, nobody knows who Canada Technical is. <laughs> you, you have a, a nice, especially in today's world, with the ability to have LinkedIn profiles and yeah. online. You have a decent roller that you can take with you know people kind of get the update, but people are still saying, "Well, what, what do you do? Like, what is candor? How, how yeah. do you?" And, and so, trying to show folks this is these are the answers that that we can answer and the data that we can provide to give you value add and so on and so forth um, has been that, that that challenge. So you mentioned the digital wildcatters uh, fuse event there at, at the the music hall yep. uh, here in, in Houston, and, and and that was an opportunity. Candor to, to get out in front of the, the public a little bit and show, you know, th this is what we do. Um, this is how we do it. We're actually um, cohabiting a booth with uh, Refinery Calc, yep. uh, who utilize as a as a calculator as a tool to help us articulate, you know, the magnitude and the value add or or or, or reduce um, with some of the decisions and strategies that that might be sought. Obviously, specifically that for that case for for refineries. Um, but yeah, we try to provide data-driven strategies. And and when folks say, okay, well, what does that mean? Yeah. It's a lot of times it's understanding the base. So there is a, a little bit of, of, of research. Um, I think, you know, the thing that we do a little better, we'd like to utilize uh, the digital platforms, whether it be data lakes, um, things of that nature, where we can not only get the, call it some of the qualitative stuff, like, you know, that we interviewed, these these ten people or went out on site and, sure. and how they're doing it, but also that that that, that interdependent, um, you know, cause and you know cause and effect type be type I guess uh, insights that you gather when you truly start overlaying data. So not only you know utilizing the the, the shipping reports and asking them, hey, wh why do we have so much demurrage? But looking at the rail schedule, overlaying the, the the weather, overlaying who the operator was on shift, and you find out, man, I don't know what I don't know what Jeremy does. Every time Jeremy's on shift, we get five more KVD out of the system than when he. <laughs> so let well, Jeremy's Jeremy just happens <laughs> to be pretty special. Let's let's be honest. But no, that's that. You know, I'll I'll put a pin in that right there. So it's you're basically looking for, and and you said this to to Max and me when we were on the call, like. You're you're trying to find pennies and nickels that that have, through data that eventually add up to be millions of dollars. Yeah, and and that could be something that companies are overlooking right now because right. there's still a level of profitability associated with their business. And to me, that's kind of cool. Um, yeah. Are you 
do you have competition? Like, are there big companies that do this? Are there other canders in the world that do this? Or do you feel like you've kind of carved out a little bit of a niche that just didn't really exist? No, definitely. So, so first I would say, so a lot of times they're actually even dollars and, and tens of dollars, even in the initial. And the reason why is, is there are times that data or the lack thereof doesn't even allow folks to look in certain places. So yeah. but we'll have folks, for instance, like a trader will sit there and talk about a nickel a barrel. Hey, should I, should I go trade this person? We talk about nickel a barrel, but you're not, you're ignoring the mode of transportation. It's $2 a barrel difference uh-huh. or $10 a barrel versus rail. And so, you know, yes, you know, some people might chase that penny. We do try to prioritize it. So we'll look at it from magnitude, top to bottom. And if it is only a penny, like we'll get that after we knock out these other nine. But it, you know, a lot of the, the bigger ones, it, it, it's, it's, we don't necessarily know the reason why, but we know Jeremy's better. And Jeremy, that five KBD more that he's making is actually twenty five dollars, twenty five thousand a day. All right. Mm. So, so whatever whatever we need to do, even if it means Jeremy, can you can you be a can you be a trainer for our, for our team? And now all of a sudden, Jeremy gets a thirty thousand dollar bonus. He goes out and trains all the shifts and sends one of his debt. And now we're getting that five KBD out of everybody. That needle movement in the first month can support probably 10 to 15 years of what Canada is doing. And so that, and, and so that's what nice. we try to, to leverage is look, here's what we're seeing with your, with your data or with our relationships or what we've seen in other projects. Let's validate if that's the case or let us, you know, test it. Like, let us turn this knob, this knob. And if we see that improvement, great, let's keep on going. Yeah. Or if we don't see the improvement, turn it off. And so, so, so you are, looking at that cause and effect and seeing what is giving you the value. A lot of times they are like, we know about it already. Like, and then this was the case in ExxonMobil. Hey, we know that this line is derated and we just have to find a way to, you know, justify this project. But we have all this other stuff that we have going on and people are changing jobs. And, you know, this person's boss quit and a new boss came in and changed up the work list. And now they, mm. they put this project on the shelf. And so sometimes it's like, they already know the problem. You know, Canner's just executing the work. And so that's where I would say we're using much more of our, just our, our sound training and practices and background that, that we learn. But is there really anything overly strategic? Mm, you know, maybe not. Maybe we're just doing a lot of stuff well and, and getting repeat business. But while you're doing that, you are picking up trends. So that's a lot of times how, when you see the, hey, I don't know if you noticed, but Jeremy's ship is kicking tail. And you were just doing the project implementation of some other item. And that's where you pick up that this little nuance here might actually save you 10 or 15 KBD. And so we had several examples. I remember one, you know, we use a software called Jump where you can, you know, kind of manually overlay a lot of these, these data sets and see what correlates with what. Mm. But uh, yeah, it was, it was pipeline repair costs that we were trying to get our hands around. How do you lower the cost? And it comes to find out that some of the biggest impacted items were associated with how does the job site look from a beautification process of, you know, was it well really? marked, <clears throat> mat, timber mats? And some of that stuff might double, triple the cost of a pipeline repair. Mm. Well, that's not hitting somebody's radar in the pipeline integrity department. So they're thinking about, you know, repair methods or some other <clears throat> toggle that might be adjusting the cost when in reality it was this factor. And so can't that, that subject or that, 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 that I guess, uh, um, practice, that capability, we leverage with oil and gas more than any other sector because of our background with, you know, mm-hmm. the, the global majors, but we've also leveraged it in real estate, we leveraged it in supply. So like looking at self-storage and where's the best place to build self-storage and you're looking at the analytics to say, where's their population growth? That with the right land cost, with the right level of backlog and storage rentals, you can start doing the same data-driven strategy that says this is an ideal location. And so that's something that Candor has done for an affiliate of, of, of mine. Um, and same thing we're working on. I would I don't want to say their name because under NDA, but call it a, a Fortune Three, and you can look at the top three and see which one does uh, supply chain. Let's legit. see, Fortune <laughs> Three. So supply um, chain. <laughs> that's the beauty of Google these days that <laughs> there's no such thing as uh, 
But yeah, the, the, the firm is looking at how do we efficiently implement some of our programs. And, and while it's not oil and gas, um, it's, it's still commodity type type transactions that you're efficiently trying to use, um, you know, logistics to provide the, the lowest cost to the, to the consumer or, or, you know, maintain the highest revenue. And so the same, same, uh, uh, day, uh, sorry, digital, um, and, and data driven strategies are, are, are utilized and employed, uh, to make those recommendations. Do you, do you like it? Like, have you found this to be, obviously there's different challenges between what you were doing at Exxon and what you're doing here. I can't imagine what it's like to run a billion dollar business with, uh, you know, 20% margins and having to maintain that, the pressure associated with it and, and trying to find advantages. And then all of a sudden you go to a place where you're at zero, right? right. And, and you're probably sleeping a little bit less, man, I know I can do this, but I got to get this off the ground. Do I have the level of confidence? Like you, you know, you're going to, you're going to get some kicks in the shins every once in a while. Um, like you sound energized about it, but like, how do you feel about it so far? Do you like yeah. it? You feel like this was the right move and what do you think the future is for this company? So, yeah. So do I like it? <clears throat> I, so the answer is yes, but I probably say I like the outcome more. It's kind of like working out. Do I like to work out? So <laughs> you know, but you like the outcome, right? Yeah. Um, I, I do think that it's necessary to, to get into that uncomfortable challenge um, in order to get growth, right? And, totally. and so, uh, it, but it was the same inside the fence. At ExxonMobil, hell, I was, you know, an 80-hour work week was nothing. I mean, you had the best of the best that you could find around the world and you put them in one organization and then you tell them to compete against each other yeah. from a ranking standpoint. I mean, and you have... You have folks that can easily be CEOs of billion-dollar companies that were considered middle of the pack. You know, just say, all right, wow. yeah, he's good, she's good. You know, they're you know, it's, it's cool. They got a PhD and been a top school and P, you know, PE stamped and you know, whatever. Like that, that was not abnormal. Yeah. Um, and one thing that Exxon had is you had brand. So if you say one of the biggest differences is like when I was at Exxon Mobile, I can walk into a meeting room and say, hey, look, my name is Leon. I'm uh, the p l owner for the West Coast Rockies for ExxonMobil, and everybody would listen. You know, for sure. Who, who's that guy? Like, let's let, let, let me grab him after the meeting. So well, he must to, have an he must have an important job here. Right, exactly. That's right. That's right. That's right. And so you have that 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 brand that when you come in now two weeks later, you're the same guy. Say, hey, my name is Leon Lloyd. I work for Candor. You know, okay, you know, everybody still has their head down writing. And it's not to say, well, I, I'm formerly ExxonMobil. And now they started listening again, you know, again. And so that that has probably been, I would call the, um, probably one of the more challenging items, but it was known. I mean, I, I can't, I, I knew that the brand of ExxonMobil um, is, is much higher than Candor Technical. Yeah. Um, you know that the, the biggest, the, the biggest reason and the biggest, the, the biggest opportunity is, you know, that the upside, with you know some of the deals that that we worked um and i would say you know quite regularly not even like the home run deals that we've had but some of the ones that were yeah you do two or three of these a year you know in private industry that would be much higher than an exxon mobile executive salary and it's a typical and then especially if you actually get it you know scaled up and you know you actually sell it or you know you exit all these various things of that nature um it, it, it gets it gets better and so that that belief, you know, that look, if I do the same level of grind, you know, that I've done yeah. before, it didn't start actually, it was before when I was, you know, getting straight A's and playing, you know, high school football and, you know, then doing the same as an engineering student and at, at New Mexico State while playing football and then doing it while working at Katrina Response um, with ExxonMobil. And, 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 and it doesn't stop. You got to keep on doing that. And that's what people are, are saying that they like and that's what they're paying for. But if you continue to do that and you hone your craft and you get at your craft and, and, and you lock in, people will pay for that no matter what. And I don't care what it is. If you want to make ball caps, damn, if you get educated on how to make good ball caps and then get those experiences and battle tested back and forth and, and, and dial in, okay, what is that good formula? And now you just do it over and over and over again for your 80 or 90 hours a week, it will pay. And, and, and so that's the, the, the philosophy and the 
I would say confidence that I, you know, that I felt like what was necessary and needed, but but also what I employed in, internally when I was saying, look, I quit. And I remember a day when my boss was like, you're, you're quitting. He was like, you what? What? Like, I didn't even have a resignation letter. She's like, do you have a resignation letter? I'm like, oh, no, I, hold on, I'll get you one for the end of the day. Um, and, and I knew, and, but I'm like, look, I, but I still want to help you guys. I, st- I, 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 I'm not leaving in haste. So like, I know yeah. you don't have a go yet. I'll transition and, and so on and so forth. And so how does that now tailor into candor? Well, we do still want to be that provider. So still to this day, I have people at ExxonMobil that I mentor. And I'm like, that doesn't have to change just because of my badge. That's right. And if I can get, share you a nugget that you can then use to, to better your career, that you're probably going to remember, hey, look, Leon helped me with this nugget. Let me ask him the next question. Um, and so on and so forth. And so I do find myself now, like candor finds up now, building off those same laurels that the good product that you provided to the ExxonMobil's of the world and ExxonMobil. Now, you know, their, their buddies are calling and saying, hey, look, you know, I, I talked to so-and-so, they recommended you, you know, what, what else can you do here? And so I do think that that, that boutique kind of bespoke, um, targeted, you know, Navy SEAL-like, uh, uh, addressing of, of challenges and providing solutions that, that are value add um, will continue to keep candor in, in the spotlight. I don't see candor being a, you know, a large thousand, 2000, 3000 type firm. I see it. Yeah. You call us like the way you called uh, Olivia Pope in, in, in scandal. You call us in when you need, <laughs> when you need to get the, the answers strategically done. Um, when, when you need to get, when, when you need to get the results that you want now, um, and, and, and make them unique to you. I'll write a package and hand it over to somebody and let them slap their name on it and take it into their management. I know their management and I know what they're going to want to see. And if that allows you now to go do what you need to do for the next two weeks, you look at me and say, that's a value add item. Um, you gave me two weeks of my life back or you gave me two weeks to work on something else. And so mm. we got more work done. Um, effectively. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that that's the, the path. There are some things that, that as, as we identify opportunities, it does allow us to play a little bit in, in a different role. So not only the, 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 the strategy provider and, 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 and whatnot, but then also that we can take the risk with the firm. So look, a true partner, sure. if you uh, will go find the capital and get this item uh, stood up, or we'll go help you get the offtake agreement. Yeah. And, and whatnot, because we have intimately <clears throat> been involved with the data, um, you know, uh, acquisition and, and, and review. So Candor feels pretty good about this, th- this path forward. Let's go make this argument together. Um, and that's some of the stuff that you can do with a small, nimble firm that, you know, you, it's kind of hard to do at ExxonMobil. Right? So. Nice. Yeah. You, you said something a couple minutes ago that I really latched onto, which is, when you walked into a room and you were the head of the Rockies business unit and, and managing a billion dollar PL, um, people really respected and appreciated that. And then all of a sudden you start your own company. It's like, what the hell is this? That is actually um, the antithesis of what my experience was in terms of starting my own company. See, I was just not just, I was a sales guy right? For some small oil and gas technology companies. And I think I was lumped into a bucket of, well, this is just sort of what you are, right? And I always had this deep internal belief like, no, I'm I'm more than that, right? I'm a content creator and I'm a a marketer, you know, and I'm a salesman and I'm a coach and I'm a a trainer and and a connector and all these things. And, And what happened when I decided to go out and just say, I'm launching my own firm, and it's called Funk Futures. I put my name right on it, right? And and said, we're going to do, you know, contract sales and recruiting for emerging oil and gas tech companies. There was like an outpouring of love and respect and appreciation that I didn't see um, yeah. when I was in a previous role. And and in a lot of ways, it probably went to my head in, in the wrong way. Like, it sounds like your experience was kind of the opposite, where it was like kind of humbling, where it's like, yeah. wow, this is Leon, he manages a billion dollar P&L. And now all of a sudden, it's like, who the hell is this candor experience? Yeah. You know, so yeah. I, I find that kind of fascinating. Yeah, no, I, and and I wouldn't even, I would say that, that was expected to it. And, and, and not that 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 um, reaction came from the people I knew. 
So I would say like right. the people that are already my LinkedIn know when I said I'm leaving, I'm going to Canada. It was like like to it like where you just got, hey, where are you going? Let me know. What are you yeah. guys working on? You know, I'd love to hear more. Set up coffee. But to that true stranger, like yeah, you're doing a booth at at, at Digital Wildcatters. And if I just had a Canada tent set up, you know, I don't have to they would come and ask me way more questions versus if I had the Exxon Mobile tent. Where they would already know, okay, look, this is what 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 you what you do, and so on and so forth. And so, yeah. your marketing has to change. I mean, hell, we didn't even get kicked off in, with our our true LinkedIn campaign <laughs> up until probably about four months ago. Yeah. Um, when when it, with reality, you know, stuff like that, you know, you have somebody in a whole other department has been doing it for years prior to you and mastering your logo and your cut sheets and all that stuff that you as an entrepreneur. You have to, you know, you have to bring that to yourself. But you got to figure that out. Figure that out. You got to figure that out. And so I do think that as you figure that out, and you figure that out with the right people, the 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 word gets out. And, it, and it, it's, it's pretty, you know, it, it kind of gets into, you know, like even a deeper philosophy on how, you know, you know, how people flange up, even ran, they randomly bump into each other. Or where there's so much like items that they were kind of already kind of gravitating to the same type of reading material and then kind of bumped into each other that way. And, you know, how, how it all works, it gets it gets real interesting, but that's what makes it fun. You know, I'm going back to campus and you're seeing friends and old classmates and they're asking what you're working on and you explain what you're doing. And then they throw another project on your lap that you never would even talked about if, if, if you didn't talk about how you left and you were doing these new things. Yeah. You know, so it so it, it definitely comes it comes full circle, and I think the space that we're doing it in, it's energy, which I it's not going anywhere in my opinion. Even traditional nah. stuff, maybe in certain you know brand new installations, but you know you're not going to just flip a switch overnight. So you know, it's energy, it's data slash digital, yeah, and that is the way that 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 we're we're going. I mean, everything is being digitized. If you wanted to have any kind of true repeatability. And true, um, you know, efficiency. You you you'll at least you know digitize it in some way, um, shape, or form. And then it's going in the terms of like value add. And so whether that is machine learning, yeah. AI, or yeah. whatever gets you smarter or gets you a better answer than than what you had before, because now you have new insights and data. Um, it's it, it, it's it's a fun space to be in. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to me about like, what is the, the target company and like persona, you know, buyer user of candor technical services. So if somebody's listening to this podcast, yeah. like who, who, who are you going to thread the needle with? Right. So, so it's, it's multiple. I would say if I had to bucket it, I would say downstream oil and gas. So from the wellhead though, downstream so it doesn't you know not necessarily downhole but but downstream if you're a producer you're probably asking about improved netbacks of some sort and so okay. we do a lot of analysis around let me see your crew type your assay how does that who are you selling to it today and kind of what does that compare to the market price who might value it more or how do you get it to them cheaper so therefore you're recognizing a, a, a healthier netback than than what you had before um, if you're a midstream company, that, I would say that was a lot of work, especially at ExxonMobil I did, but how do you optimize that operation where you can move more barrels down your pipe cheaper, yep. you yep. can reduce demurrage, where you can justify expansions because you're handling higher throughputs, um, where you can blend crudes or different feedstocks to make unique um, combinations for you know different sites. And then if you're a refiner, you know it's kind of looking at the problem a little bit differently. <clears throat> Normally, they have an idea of what they like. But they don't necessarily know where to source it or how they can do it in combination or how they can use their mode of transportation and get it there to them cheaper. So hey, you're still running WTI crude, like you always ran WTI crude. But instead of you going through these three market centers and paying everybody to take or pay or doing some jump overs and losing quality over tank hills, here's a way you can do it in, in, in that fashion. And so that's what I would say is our, our prototypical called an oil and gas client. And we'll use different tools um, to describe such. And sometimes the tool is just a relationship. You know, like, oh, yeah, you need to talk to the crew trading manager over here at this front. Yeah, there's value in that. Relationships yeah. in, in this industry still mean a lot. Kind exactly. of an old school handshake network and, yeah. and trust has to be built by delivering value. That's interesting. So so there, you do work with operators, right, within the marketing group. You're going to work with refiners. You're going to work with the 
transportation and gathering groups a little bit too. So really yeah. anywhere you can sort of find a little bit of value or a lot of value in some sure. cases, you're going to, you're going to do it. Yeah. Um, which is awesome. cool. And I think you'll, Go oh, thanks. Uh, that's another one. that's kind of thanks. Banks and, and and fund managers saying because they we, trade, they trade, and, and or they have they, they want to build the refinery. We I want to build a refinery. I see nowhere I can take these barrels. If I can get an offtake agreement, I can get all the funding I need to have my refinery built. The the, the senior debt's already lined up. The equity's already there. We need an offtake agreement. And so they need somebody to get in, you know, get it into a you know. Uh, a bite size type argument and take it to somebody that can that can do that. And so yeah, like that, that's probably a, a little bit of a non-conventional, you know, uh, value chain provider uh, or value chain adder that that that's looking at who can give me that answer, that that strategy that can now you know let the whole you know uh, the, the whole equation take place. Dig it. I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the uh, hot seat for a second, throw some rapid fire at you. I like it. I didn't prepare you for this, but we're getting into it. One, where's your favorite place that you've lived? You've lived in a bunch of places. Where's your favorite? Favorite place. I probably would say, so San Diego to me is America's finest. So, but, but that's kind of cheap. I'm going to say Houston. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Houston has a lot. And I'm talking from industry. It's made up of a lot of folks that aren't necessarily from here. Yeah, it's very um, diverse. Very diverse. Um, I think the economic climate is is very healthy, especially yeah. in places in the nation. And you can get to anywhere. I mean, you can fly United or Con- or Southwest. You know, pretty much nonstop to almost any city around here. Um, you can, you know, the hardest part is trying to drive across Texas. But yeah, I, I'd probably <laughs> say I'd probably say Houston, uh, number one um, place to live. I, I dig Houston way too hot in the summer for me. And you're from San Diego, but the, the secret about San Diego is it actually never gets that hot. It doesn't, which is, which, right. is the, which is the beauty. You can have summers where it doesn't even hit 70 degrees for, for days at a time, yeah. weeks at a time, which, Most houses which is beautiful. don't have AC. I, got, I, I never had a house insane. that had AC in Italian, New Mexico. So. And then in Houston, you would, you would die. You would die. AC you'd be a slum lord. You might go to jail if you're a landlord. <laughs> <laughs> with no AC. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I see that about Houston. I, I, I like to rib on my friends from Houston just because, you know, the traffic, the heat. I like to say it's sort of like all of the things that um, it's, it's very similar to Los Angeles, right? Yeah. Like it's very spread out. If you're, if you're in the woodlands or if you're in Thousand Oaks, right, to get to Newport Beach or to get to uh, what, Katy or, yeah. or Galveston or something, right. like good luck. You know what I mean? You're, you're on the other side of the world. It could take you two, three hours, depending on traffic. Um, but all the things that, that people like about LA, you don't have in Houston, but all the things that you don't like about LA, you still have in Houston. (laughs) But now I actually, Houston's been like, I've probably been to Houston 200 times at this point in my 17 year, uh, year career in oil and gas and the food, it's probably the best food city in America. Um, I like the diversity. I feel like if you want uh, Afghani food or, or any type of Mediterranean food or uh, Asian fusion that you've yeah. never had before, all, all and of course Tex-Mex, not right. true Mexican, but Tex-Mex. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see that with with Houston, and also you don't have to pay the thirteen point three percent extra state income tax that you'd have yeah. to pay if you lived in San Diego. So, <laughs> so there's that. Um, number two, who is your favorite football player of all time, and who's the greatest football player of all time? Oh, so favorite, I'm going to say favorite and greatest, but maybe not necessarily um, uh, demonstrated. I'm going to say Barry Sanders. So good. And so good with little resources, but he had the, he had a heart like no other um, loyal to his team to the point where he'd rather stop the sport altogether if he couldn't give it his all. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and just enjoyable to watch and, and know yeah. that he had more gas in the tank than what, what, what he showed. So that, that, that's going to be my, uh, my vote. And again, I'm going to say a little bit biased, but, uh, only because I, like I said, we grew up cheering for, for Detroit teams uh, all together, but I think a lot of folks can support that. Um, yeah, if he's not your top running back, he's in the top three and, uh, yeah, yeah it, it with the subpar line and, and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a bunch of friends from Michigan. My financial advisor is actually from, from Flint. 
And I, people think of Flint today differently than I think he grew up in Flint was actually kind of an affluent area. Now people yeah. think of Flint and they think of like bad water and stuff like that, <laughs> yeah. right? And crime. But yeah, that's right. He's like, it wasn't like that when I was growing up. There was still wealth left over from the, the automotive industry automotive, right. um, back then. But he's he's a big Lions fan. And, you know, I'm throwing my support behind these guys. Yeah. Um, Barry Sanders, I remember legitimately, I, th- I think it was 99 in the summer when he retired and actually feeling upset. You know, yeah. I'm not a Lions fan. I'm a Patriots fan, but but feeling like legitimately disappointed because he was just so fun to watch, and you knew right. he had more left in the tank. He was going to smash every record there was, right. and he was just so humble that yeah. it was like I felt something. You know what I yeah. mean? Even though he wasn't on my team, I'm like, damn. Yeah, right. Calvin Johnson did it too, right. and I'm like, right. yeah, that, that organization's just they had been broken. So it's nice to see where they're at this weekend. That's I right. think the greatest player, the toughest player of all time is Tom Brady. I don't Tom think Brady, there's any, uh, yeah, any, any guy. secret. California, I, I, guy. California guy, right? San Mateo. I, I think that, um, and I've even said this to people too. I think he's underrated mm-hmm. uh, because there are things that he did, especially from uh, just sheerly toughness, just yeah. probably underrated in terms of how tough he was. And maybe even some of his leadership qualities. Cause I think the quarterback position is the most important position in all of sports. Mm-hmm. And probably 80% of what goes into being a great quarterback is decision-making more so than any of the physical skills. And you could argue that his decision-making is better than, than anybody maybe paid Manning in in the history of the sport. So um, I I like Tom, but Barry Sanders to me uh, has the greatest highlight reel of all time. And and certainly as a kid growing up and watching him, anytime the lions were on, you're just waiting for that one, you know, juke ankle breaking move and and just shaking your head at it. You know, that's right. No, I, I think you're spot on. One thing you said about Tom Brady, and I can appreciate, and and, and I, you know, I, I live this uh, myself is is the value of leadership. And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, I would say he probably was. Uh, I mean, he's de- you're in the NFL as a starting quarterback, so you're not not athletic. You're not, but yeah. if he he didn't have the biggest arm, nope. he definitely wasn't fast. He was tall, nope. you know, you know, he, he, he but he knew how to command leadership and yeah. and what what came out of his pores got absorbed by his teammates in a different yeah. way. He had a very average team across like look at everybody else. I mean it's true. Sub you know you have a couple of shifty receivers but no real just blazer but when that one you get Randy Moss or you but like oh it, it, you're not you're not getting folks in their prime and you're every year you're trying to train a new set of characters. You know, it was very Michael Jordan-ish where like, but when you walked into his presence, you're going to know, no, this is the leader and he demands excellence. And when you can have that same level of, of respect, appreciation for your leader, it's crazy how things can, can change. And like, you know, there's a book that we, <clears throat> that we built our organization around called Extreme Ownership. Oh, by uh, Jocko. Yeah, by Jocko. Love it. It's and great. It's emotional intelligence, you know, and how you can get expertise out of just, you know, doing the right leadership. And so you look at teams uh, and how they can improve because of that. And that, like you say, Tom Brady, I mean, that, that, that's what I, I feel. You know, I feel somebody that has the, you know, he has the ability to bring a, um, a, a Gronk out of retirement. Because he says, right. hey, we got to go, go do this. He says, yes, you're my leader. You know, and, 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 and I think that's the, 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 there's some value there, a whole lot of value. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. And, and I think some of it is is leading by example and and of of course mental toughness and the line of work that we're in, it doesn't require as much physical toughness, but there is a level of physical toughness when you're working 80 hour weeks, which I've said this before and I'll say it again. I tend to max out at about 65. Honestly, I, I think that in some cases less is more. I think if you grind too hard sometimes, you start to burn out, you start to lose some of your creativity. You know what I mean? So there's always a balance. And as you know, when you're running your own business, you never really shut off, right? Right. So in those rare opportunities that you have a chance to shut off, I think it's important to practice mindfulness, to kind of get away from work, spend time with family, but it's hard. Like my son's kicking around the soccer ball with me, six years old, and my mind starts drifting to, okay, what does next month look like? Do I have enough resources to man up my, my accounts? Um, what's falling off, what's kind of in the green, what's in the yellow, what's in the red. How are we doing on, on placing that resource? Oh, I need to check him out with my recruiter. And my son's like, dad, daddy. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, you know, it's like, cause the kids need love and they need attention and appreciation. Do you have kids? 
I do. I have two, two girls, 15 and 11. Oh, but I have daughters. Spot on, yeah. I have daughters who are 13 and 11 and okay. uh, a son who's six. So we just went back in after you did, but yeah, right, so right, right. you you really get it. And I think it's important for, um, for us to be dads first, yeah. but also demonstrate kind of what, what work ethic looks like, but you know, kids just want to be loved and shown attention. And, and I hate when I get stuck on this, yeah. right. And, and responding to this and getting on the phone. And I even hear it breaks my heart sometimes my kid to be like, I want to play. So I want to kick the ball with daddy, but he's working. Yeah. It like breaks yeah, your heart yeah. because you work from yeah. home and it's different if you're in the office and just like, Oh, I, buddy, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, you're right. You're right. That, that, that is the, actually, I think about my wife, uh, uh, taps into that resource a little bit. Cause she, like, she'll know if my phone rings as my daughters. I'll answer first, first pickup for sure. My wife, I'm like, Oh, she knows the code and she has to call back twice. And it's really <laughs> <laughs> so I can just hear my wife saying, look, go nudge on that, that heartstring and call daddy real quick and see if he can uh, that's give an answer on this item. But you're right. I mean, we, we have to be able to do that. And and that's some of the, the they, they said, like, when I quit, what are you doing tomorrow, Leon? I said, I'm going to take my kids to school. This is February, right? February yeah. 15th. February, yeah, it was that, that, that Thursday. And I said, I'm going to take my kids to school tomorrow because I don't normally do that because I'm normally in the office by 730. And that next day I'm using Waze because, you know, it's February now. So they've been to school since August and I don't know You're how to using Waze. Yeah. Waze. Like that's an issue. So, you know, that, 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 that's when you know, like, oh no, there's a better way to do this. And it's not, you know, it's not that you have to stay on to your point all the time and you can find ways to work and have fun and do it the right way. Um, but you can't, you know, working on important things, gathering value, doing it the right way, candor. I mean, that that we're honest. Where we want to give you the honest. I like that. It, it's, you know, even if it's not the the popular one, it's it truly is the right answer, and 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 that's in all aspects. And and I think you know when you do it that way, and that's the reason why I, I keep on harping on the, the the extreme ownership pathway. When you yeah. do it the right way, people feel that. Like, like it comes, so like you have teammates rallying around you that were, you would call that person average. And now they're busting their tail because you know, a boss treats me well. You know, it, it takes, it takes very little. Um, and, and I always say sh- showing appreciation for those around you without asking for anything in return, um, is something that I wish more leaders did. Yeah. Um, at least I could have used some of that more from, yeah. from leaders in my career. And I make sure that I do that with my people. Um, because you know it's like a bank, right? You're just constantly making these deposits and investments in a bank, so that when you do need to ask for a withdrawal, you're entitled yeah. to ask for that withdrawal uh, if you do so in the right way. Exactly. No, that's uh, spot on. Now, can I ask you? I know we're, we're getting close to time, but uh, yeah, wait, on. I got all day for you, my man. Okay. Well, do, do, first of all, do you have any more rapid fire ones? Because I, I feel like I'm supposed to be answering them faster if I keep on babbling. Yeah, but we're having you- fun. <laughs> I want to know what you think the score of the Lions after this comes out. It'll probably be after the Super Bowl anyway. <laughs> right. So maybe Lions will have won by them. But what's what's your prediction? What is your, what does your heart tell you? What does your head tell you on this Lions Niners uh, NFC Championship game? I, you know, I honestly believe the Lions can do it. You know, it, it, it's weird what happens when somebody actually thinks, okay, like no, we can actually win this thing. Yeah. And 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 them seeing. The Niners, you know, call it, you know, skirt by the, the, you know, barely by Green Bay when the game, they probably could have lost. They probably should have lost it, you know. I don't say should have, but you probably could have lost. They should have lost that game. Yeah. yeah. I think that tells a lot. Like, like we, we, we know we can do this. This is not just a Cinderella. We, we got lucky here. Like, no, yeah. we, have, we have big coaches. So, you know, I would say 10 points. You know, I, I don't think any of these games will be a, a massive blowout, but I, but I think Lions by 10. Um, which will be which will be a big win. It's not going to be. I hope you know, but I think it's not going to be a nail biter. And I think it's going to be Lions and uh, and uh, the Ravens actually. That, that's what I yeah. That's what I want. Just because we see the Chiefs so much, you could memorize yeah. their roster by now. I'd like to see Lamar <laughs> get a right. chance. He's had such a good season, and they're yeah. just they're they're just like kind of a model franchise. Great defense. Mm-hmm. They got to be the favorites right now. Yeah. Um, but I like San Francisco's team. You know, I'm out here in Colorado. Christian McCaffrey is a Colorado kid. Even some of his high school games were on TV. So he would score like five touchdowns a game, you know. Right, right. Um, and, you know, I just – he's a beast. So it, it's fun to to watch them. But I hope you, the Lions win. I've got a lot of friends who are Lions fans. 
Also, as a Patriots fan, we got six. The Niners have five. I don't really want to see them get six. Also, I kind of like to keep that rung above them, you know. Um, but uh, my final question for you, uh, before I get to you telling us how to find you and your company, all that is, is what advice if any, would you give to yourself, to, to Leon Aloya at, at 21, 22, 23 years old, you, you've gained wisdom, which is really important. You, you've done the entrepreneurial thing now for a while. You worked at the big company up the corporate ladder. You've moved around. You got kids. You got a family. What advice, if any, would you have for the Leon half your age? That's a good one. Um advice i'd probably say be more intentional on some of the things that i and i probably did them but be more intentional on how you can utilize that to improve so i'll give you an example i, I went to grad school at rice and yeah. when i signed up and you said leon why are you going to grad school and i was like oh, i don't know like it's free the company's going to pay for it all and rice is a pretty good school so sure. Like, yeah, I'm gonna go. Might as well. Like, right. That answer should have been no, because we're, you know, this is, this is 09. We're in, you know, call it a transition with economic crisis coming down now to position myself to be a better global leader. Yeah. You know, I need to know that some of these X's and O's. And so I gathered some of that accidentally on purpose, whatever, but a more intentionally on would have spent more focus there. I think of people in college. That that I'm like, man, that that person was would have been a great resource to further that relationship. They own whatever a winery, or this person owns some farms, or yeah, you know, this, I could have went there and learned that process. And but you know, at the time, oh, you know, you own a winery, you think you can give me a free bottle of wine? I mean, that like that that that's where yeah. the expansion of mind was, where you could have been much more intentional. Um, but I, you know, I you know, I think the thing that I did do right was I was always trying to work. So and have fun while doing it. And so what that meant was, you know, I accidentally learned things. I accidentally got exposed to items, and and next thing you know, you pick up. Oh, you actually like this sport. You like golf. You know, you didn't think you were gonna like it, but you started playing because somebody else and you know introduced you. And, you. and you didn't take that. Oh, I can't do that. It's that's boring. And and now all of a sudden, so yeah, that, that that's probably what I would say. The, the younger Leon, you know, going back and some of the stuff that I try to instill in my daughters is like, you know, think through, like, you know, what are you dreaming about? You know, what, what are you, what, what, what goals do you want to have? And I got, like, what are some of the things to get there? Like, I don't necessarily got to be militant and be so strict on how, how you, how you, you, you charted out at age 11. But if you think like, Hey, I want to, you know, get faster, run track, like, Hey, think about it. Should I eat this bag of Cheetos right now? <laughs> Come on, man. When, when you're 15 years old, you can have a bag of Cheetos. You'll be right, fine. Right, right, right. And, 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 and I don't, like I said, I don't want to make it be so militant, but if you know, okay, like I have a desire, I want this. You know, you're like, we, we get a big kick on saving money. My kids are real. This is the yeah. reason why. One of the questions I'm going to ask you about is Bitcoin and some of the blockchain. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan in digital currency. Because yeah, too. Not, that, not that I can explain it that well, but I know it works. I'll see my kids want Robux so bad for the Roblox game that they yeah. will do any physical utility work right then and there. And I'm like, see, that that passion that you have for that digital dollar right now, like that's that was your goal. I got to get this role. And I don't know what they're buying on the game, but that that <laughs> that that goal was so strong they're like, like, what do you need me to do? And I, I go, they go knock it out. I give them five bucks. They hand it right back to me. So that way I can go put the the, the dollars in on Microsoft and, and, and they're, they're off. And, and, and it shows that, yeah, you, okay. You thought about something you wanted. You were intentional about it. You actually dialed in and said like, Hey, I can, it. I can figure out a way how to get this. You know, I might have to go wash dishes if I don't want to, or go read a book or do something I don't want to do. Um, right now, but yeah, like, like I, I can get there. So it's, uh, yeah, that, that, that's, that's, that's the, the, I would say where I would, I would give myself uh, a little bit more advice at, at the age of 21. Yeah. Be, be more intentional and lack some judgment. I, I think that you probably were intentional. So I think you were, you were reaching a little bit, you, you have a great amount of discipline, but, but the idea of like, yeah, why, why am I doing, why am I going to grad school? Oh, because uh, it's a good school and my company's going to pay for it. That's not uncommon for somebody that was in your shoes to do it. But the right answer should have been, 
because I'm going to learn things to become a better global leader and enhance my network. And, and maybe those were on the list, but they weren't one. On they the weren't list. one. That's right. Right. That's right. That's yeah, right. I, so, yeah, no, it, it, it's, um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I do think that, you know, as, as we're getting smarter and things like AI uh, and whatnot, I feel like life expectancy is going to grow. And so hopefully, sure. uh, you know, those, those lost years or, or, or delays, well, uh, I, I can I can still add them up on the back end here. Well, but don't worry. With with inflation, you and I are going to be working for another thirty five years, anyway, so, especially with kids. Leon, where can where can people find you? Uh, you know, social media, your your company website, things of that nature. Yeah. Where where can you be found? Yeah, so candortechnical dot com, C A N D as in dog O R technical dot com. Um, you can also find us on LinkedIn. That's those are probably our two best locations. Sure. Uh, we are trying to beef up our, our social media presence. So you, know, you might see us on additional outlets um, after that. Uh, also on my email suffix, and you'll see on the website, <clears throat> I do have uh, uh, hours set up where you can click in Calendly and, and book time. So, nice. you know, we, we, we like to get in front of people. We like to chat with people. I uh, like to understand problems and see how we can solve them. And so uh, please, please reach out, you know, anything. I love the, I love the name, um, candor technical, you know, if, if you look on my website and in any of the kind of pitch decks that I throw out there, I, I talk about the, the pillars of, of funk, right. The wow. sort of the five things that matter to funk futures. And, and I don't use the word candor. I use the word authenticity, but I think the concept is the same, right. Yep. Is, is we have to be honest, uh, with ourselves, with our teammates and especially with our clients, Right. Um, and I think that is one thing that's going to to help separate us. And, and kudos to you for leaning into that as well. And don't lose that, right? Because there's going to be opportunities that you have um, where candor may not be the most financially beneficial answer, right? right. So <laughs> my small bit of advice, but whether it's candor, whether if it's uh, being genuine, whether it's authenticity, Leon, I think you bring all those qualities to the table. I think your business is going to crush it. And I'm uh, glad you came on today. So I appreciate you, my man. No, thank you so much. I hope to do this again very soon.